Chapter Thirty of the Widow Married: A Sequel to the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty: Old times are changed, old manners gone, honor and glory, maternal wisdom and filial reverence. As Mrs. O'Donagough descended the stairs from Mrs. Hubert's drawing-room, she suddenly recollected the existence of her beloved brother, Mr. Willoughby and with a little inward laugh of delight at remembering how very much she was now above caring for the kindness and patronage of any little old man in the world she stopped short in her passage through the hall though it was ringing with the sound of mrs o'donagough's carriage and demanded of the porter the address of this till now very precious connection on being informed that mr willoughby resided in park lane she determined to take him as she told patty and the mrs perkins in her way to hyde park where she intended to regale the world of fashion for half an hour by the sight of herself and her bright-eyed daughter could the gentle mr willoughby have had the slightest glimpse of foreknowledge as to who was making her rattling dashing way towards him it is probable that despite all his conjugal respect for the memory of his first lady he would have retired to his bedroom and declared himself very truly perhaps too ill to see any one for the impression left by his adventures at brighton was terrible and of the kind not likely to evaporate by the process of meditation but though in all the ordinary affairs of life it may be very truly said that old experience doth attain to something like prophetic strain yet in this case it would have led him altogether wrong a change had come over mrs o'donagough which ensured his safety more effectually than any bolts and bars could have done for had her feelings still retained the same ardent warmth towards him such impediments would hardly have rendered him safe but now the tempest of her love was effectually stilled and all that remained of the violent emotions which had so strongly moved her was a dignified yet condescending politeness which her dress also being taken into consideration was sure to keep him from any further personal violence fortunately the mild old gentleman was not alone when his drawing-room door was gently opened by his well-taught servant and the names of mrs and miss o'donagough pronounced his daughter mrs stephenson was seated beside his armchair, and as he involuntarily exclaimed oh dear oh dear she cheered him by replying never mind papa i'll stay with you i want to see her again immensely i am told she has come into a great fortune and that she is ten thousand times a greater curiosity than ever these words were hardly whispered before the subject of them swam into the room radiant with rouge and glossy as the richest satin could make her had she found mr willoughby alone it is very likely she might have been able to speak plain and that a few moderately affectionate inquiries would have sufficed to satisfy her feelings and to display as much of her changed circumstances as the occasion required but the sight of mrs stephenson inspired her with very different thoughts and purposes she remembered how the noble spirit on which she prided herself had been shaken by the crowd in green and gold and more bitterly still did she remember how often the application of the little lady's eye-glass had stood in the stead of every other salutation when she had met her amidst the crowded promenades of brighton how her heart at that moment throbbed with thankfulness as she remembered that the lace on her mantlet cost a guinea a yard but her throat swelled externally and internally too a third chin supervened and the clearness of her articulation was considerably affected patty followed looking past all contradiction exceedingly handsome but as much like a gentlewoman as a ringleted head in a hairdresser's shop window how do dear sir 
said mrs o'donagough lispingly and holding out a single finger as she approached the idolized brother-in-law of former days i know you are but a poor creature as to health and therefore i have waived all ceremony and come to inquire for you without taking any notice of your not having waited upon me never mind about getting up perhaps you have got the gout there there sit down and keep yourself quiet you look dreadfully thin to be sure but yet i may pay you a compliment upon your complexion if you ain't flushed you've got a capital colour but perhaps you may be heated sir dear me what a monstrous small room you have got when you are well enough to come and see me sir in curzon street i think you will quite enjoy the size of my rooms inexpressibly relieved mr willoughby replied with great kindness of manner that he was very glad she had met with a house she liked and hoped mr o'donagough and the young lady were quite well you do not remember me mrs o'donagough said mrs stephenson laughing we have never met since we left brighton and the gaieties of london have put all your former acquaintances out of your head i hope i see you very well yes perfectly well i thank you i adore london and never really enjoyed my health till we settled here replied mrs o'donagough it does in truth seem to have agreed with you extremely you look charmingly plump and well and so does your daughter too she is so wonderfully grown and improved that i should not have known her without hearing her named have you seen your cousin compton lately miss patty no ma'am said miss patty very sulkily indeed that is too bad of him rejoined the mischievous lady for he is in the guards now and constantly in town is he said mrs o'donagough in a tone of rather languid indifference i wonder i have never heard seymour mention him but henry knows she added with a slight laugh that i never patronize mere boys who is henry are you speaking of sir henry seymour said mrs stephenson half amused and half puzzled yes sir henry seymour your brother sir edward's ward you know he is a great friend of ours she added after a pause and with her eyes very fully directed to patty impossible had very nearly escaped mrs stephenson's lips in return for she understood the look and the accent too exactly as it was intended she should do and having ideas of her own on the subject of sir henry seymour which rendered the information they conveyed extremely far from agreeable she had some difficulty not to pronounce a flat contradiction but having thought better of it before the word was spoken she only said have you known him long oh yes was the reply but these two little words were spoken in a very skilful manner and said much had mrs stephenson been rather less warm-hearted and warm-headed she might have given sir henry seymour the advantage of a little more consideration of probabilities than she did upon hearing this oh yes but she looked at the great brilliant staring beauty opposite to her and remembering the pale unobtrusive loveliness of elizabeth permitted herself to tingle to the fingers ends with indignation while she received the impression that the man whom she had fixed upon in her heart for her nephew was adoring the meretricious goddess instead of the genuine angel if not reasonable enough to acquit him however she soon recovered sufficient discretion to conceal what she felt and consoled herself with the belief that she should still be in time to give such a caution to her sister agnes as might check the present intimate intercourse between the young people before it had gone far enough to compromise the happiness of her dearly beloved and greatly admired niece notwithstanding mrs stephenson's quickly awakened caution the well-contented mrs o'donagough saw that she had made an impression 
and skilfully passed on to other themes not having any wish or intention of fixing the imputation which he had suggested at all more deeply than might suffice to plague the faithless sir henry a little and add a feather to her daughter's coronet of conquest without committing herself by any positive assertions i suppose you don't plague yourself about going to court now mr willoughby it's a dreadful bore isn't it but that's one of the troubles which having a daughter to bring out occasions said mrs o'donagough with a sigh then turning abruptly to mrs stephenson she added when is elizabeth hubert to be presented it is probable that this question preceded as it was by the hint of mrs o'donagough's own intentions might not have received a very direct answer had it not been that the fair lady to whom it was addressed was entirely lost in reverie and quite unconscious of everything that had been said since mrs o'donagough's insidious oh yes had entered her ears without any hesitation therefore she replied with a slight start from the suddenness of the address at the next drawing-room well patty we must not indulge to-day in a long gossip with your good uncle we must be off dear or positively we shall not get through what we have to do lady susan always keeps me such an age adieu brother willoughby come and see us there's a good man it will do you a vast deal of good depend upon it changing the air is always good for an invalid and most certainly you can hardly have a greater change than from this little bit of a room to our suite of drawing-rooms in curzon street good morning mrs stephenson of course i shall be vastly happy to see you if you choose to call ceremony between such very near connections is quite ridiculous good morning mrs stephenson was lost in astonishment mr willoughby in delight at the prodigious change which unknown circumstances had wrought in the style and manners of mrs o'donagough what in the world does all this mean papa exclaimed the still pretty nora as soon as the door was closed upon her she has ceased to hug you does not appear to retain the slightest awe of me and both herself and her brobdingnag beauty are dressed à peindre that is to say their dresses are perfect but unfortunately for such folks there is no madame anything who has taken out a patent for disclosing the secret of putting them on thank heaven that is a power still exclusively reserved à nous autres and not all the reform bills in the world can take it from us dearest nora that is all very true i believe said her father rousing himself from the agitation occasioned by the sudden apparition of mrs o'donagough and profusely steeping his handkerchief in eau de cologne but what are the peculiarities of dress compared to those of manner i do assure you my dear that i have the very greatest desire to be kind and cordial to all with whom i became connected by my first marriage i have very particular reasons for wishing it but this good mrs o'donagough's manner used to be blank however there is no occasion to say anything more about that now i am very thankful nora very thankful indeed that it is quite changed i really hope my dear from their dress and appearance altogether that some considerable fortune has come to them it must be on the husband's side for i am pretty sure there was no chance of such a thing on hers mrs elizabeth compton certainly is a woman of good fortune but i think i have understood oh yes papa mrs elizabeth compton's fortune is disposed of elsewhere none of the satins and laces come from her i am really dying with curiosity to find out what it all means by your leave cher papa i will ring the bell i must positively make a few inquiries be so good as to send my page upstairs was the order given when a servant answered the bell 
ah ça achille vous avez des yeux mon enfant dites-moi un peu quelle sorte d'équipage était-il qui vient de partir superbe madame et les gens les chevaux superbe madame tout était superbe parfaitement bien monté c'est bon va-t'en now is not this most extraordinary papa do you remember mrs o'donagough's style of trotting about brighton oh you must for how often did she make you trot with her and you hear what her present style is is it not mysterious no my dear not if mr o'donagough has got a fortune left him that is true certainly and yet in all cases of that kind one is pretty sure to hear of the fortune first and see the effect of it afterwards that makes no great difference nora they could not spend all this money if they had not got it and i am certain nobody can feel more inclined to rejoice at their good fortune than i do did you observe what she said about sir henry seymour papa not very much nora i was really selfish enough to be thinking of myself and of the great comfort of her being more quiet in her manners replied the gentle mr willoughby i shall visit her papa i am quite determined upon it do my dear it will be very good-natured of you perhaps not quite that said mrs stephenson laughing nevertheless my motive is not a bad one either i cannot comprehend the thing at all seymour of all the men in the world i must throw some light upon all this papa and i know not any mode of doing this so effectual as introducing my own radiant presence into the scene of action if there be a mystery nora replied her father i certainly can name no better investigator than yourself but i suspect you will find none my good sister-in-law has by some means or other grown rich and this somehow or other has rendered her less affectionate or at any rate less demonstrative i do not think i should mind asking her to dinner now if you and agnes will arrange it all for me very well papa nous verrons and now good-bye i have a thousand things to think about and to do so had mrs o'donagough on re-entering her carriage she seated herself with an energy of descent that severely tried the temper of the springs and set the two miss perkinses swinging i have got that much out of her at any rate patty haven't i my dear said she dismissing her extra chin and recovering her voice about miss elizabeth's going to court mamma yes i did want to get at that and now we have it safe and sure replied patty joyously i must say i shall enjoy going the same day that she does she is such a quiz of a girl and oh so proud and stiff matilda i am sure she would make you both sick if you could see her she is ten times worse than she was at brighton the lord forbid patty for see her they shall you may depend upon that upon my life girls she has no more colour than my pocket-handkerchief and though i won't pretend to say that her features are bad i give you my honour that she's no more to be compared to patty than chalk to cheese but here we are girls out with ye all this is the court dressmakers and now you shall see if i don't make donny's shiners gallop he told me to spare nothing in our court dresses and i don't intend it dear lady susan what should we do without her i promised i would send her a plume exactly the same as my own and that shall be one of the handsomest that ever was seen at st james she deserves a dear kind soul for if she had not offered to present us i should have had to ask some of my own nasty stiff-backed relations and after all you know there is not one of them that is the daughter of an earl 
she shall have her feathers dear old soul she may depend upon it and her table too every night if she likes it with her own stakes and her own party this grateful effusion was confidentially uttered in the ear of miss louisa perkins now promoted to the regular but by no means sinecure place of mrs o'donagough's toady as they walked together up the stairs which led to madame bonneton's splendid show-rooms oh what a sight did you ever exclaimed patty as she entered this fairyland of women's wishes and of women's dreams embodied and tangible dear me how beautiful cried miss louisa oh goodness how lovely sighed miss matilda can you fancy any woman looking quite ugly in that angelic bonnet demanded patty let me see madame bonneton herself commanded mrs o'donagough these last words were not spoken in a tone to be neglected not to mention that the elegant young lady who replied to them had seen the splendid equipage from which the speaker descended madame will be here immediately said the elegant young lady she is at this moment engaged with the duchess of liddesdale respecting her only daughter the beautiful lady isabella's presentation dress but she must have nearly finished for they have been here a long time isn't it lucky louisa whispered mrs o'donagough now we shall be able to find out exactly the right thing one beautiful only daughter going to be presented especially as she seems to be of suitable rank may safely serve as a pattern for another let us sit here louisa while we wait isn't it all lovely lovely indeed responded miss louisa to be sure i do sometimes think said mrs o'donagough with a fullness of satisfaction which for the moment banished all reserve and made her almost think aloud i do sometimes think louisa that great abilities thorough real cleverness i mean is a better fortune for a girl that is supposing she is tolerably well looking than almost any money in the world you know i open my heart to you about everything and therefore i don't mind telling you that my father and mother notwithstanding their high birth and great gentility had no more right to expect that i should ever be in such a place as this ordering court dresses for myself and my daughter than you have to be queen of england oh dear how well i remember going shopping in our little town where my father was the rector it was a very fine living and a magnificent parsonage house but i do so well remember my contrivances to get handsome ball-dresses for myself and my sister sophie <laughs> i can't contrive to make you exactly understand all about it but to be sure i have managed from that time to this to get on monstrous well a movement in an inner room and then the stately march of three ladies out of it followed by madame bonneton announced that the consultation was broken up and in another minute the elegant young lady having whispered something in the ear of the imperial-looking mistress of the establishment mrs o'donagough's highest state of felicity began by seeing that august personage approach her and hearing the enticing words what may i have the honour of showing you ma'am i wish to see whatever you have of the very best and highest style by way of court dress presentation dresses that is i mean for my daughter of course i do not mean that i have never been presented that would be a good joke louisa wouldn't it but nevertheless i wish that my own dress should be superb and that of my daughter something nearly equal to it by the way what did the duchess of liddesdale order for lady isabella this was said in mrs o'donagough's best manner and if overheard by her husband would unquestionably have won from him the cordial exclamation of well done my barnaby 
its effect on madame bonneton was just what she intended you know her grace madam we meet at every party throughout the season but i won't tell you that we are great friends which i dare say you saw as she passed but the fact is my daughter has stood in the way of lady isabella more than once and the foolish duchess cannot forgive it i don't care a straw for that however it only piques me to keep up the rivalship i often say that the duchess's jealousy of my daughter will make the fortune of my dressmakers what has been ordered you must positively tell me madame bonneton what has been ordered to-day for lady isabella madame bonneton was almost as clever a woman as mrs barnaby and immediately gave such a description of the noble young lady's dress as enabled her to dispose of various articles for which she was rather particularly anxious to obtain a sale and the business ended by a dress being ordered for miss patty and for her mamma likewise both of which were ingeniously contrived in such a manner as to accommodate more embroidery more flowers more fringe more tassels more spangles and more lace than any two dresses ever carried before into a royal presence it would be too difficult to describe justly the swelling joy the broadly smiling contentment the swimming ecstasy of mrs o'donagough as she made her last conge to madame bonneton for any wise pen to attempt it she hardly felt the ground beneath her feet as she descended to her carriage though had the ground beneath her feet been sentient the unconsciousness could not have been reciprocal for not only did the high consciousness of what she had been about dilate her majestic person to the eye but it gave a firmness to her tread which might have rivalled the sublime march of an elephant let this plume of feathers follow me to my carriage she said i mean it as a present to a friend and will leave it as i go home remember that every direction i have given be accurately followed the slightest inaccuracy will be remarked and as expense is no object let every article be perfect absolutely perfect in its kind the two miss perkinses intimate as they were with mrs o'donagough had never seen her at anything like this degree of elevation before there was a sort of sublime excitement in all her looks and words that almost made them tremble and which added to the orders they had heard her give made them follow her downstairs with feelings of veneration almost too profound to be pleasant even patty herself was perhaps a little astonished but she had too much inherited firmness of spirit to be overwhelmed by it isn't mamma a first-rate thorough-goer she said to her friend matilda while waiting for mrs o'donagough's not very easy introduction of herself into her carriage how she has wriggled papa out of his stingy ways to be sure between the dwelling of mrs bonneton which was in st james street to that of lady susan dearwell which was situated in green street grosvenor square mrs o'donagough never uttered a word it is probable that her feelings were too big for utterance when the servant's inquiry for her ladyship was answered by the single word yes mrs o'donagough broke this expressive silence by earnestly ejaculating thank god and having as usual on all visiting occasions told the dear perkinses to sit still and amuse themselves till she came back she proceeded followed by patty and the plume up the narrow staircase to the dirty little drawing-room of her noble friend lady susan was sitting as was her wont in an old-fashioned shabby-looking armchair which like all the rest of her furniture had more of that sort of antiquity about it which results from long and constant use than from the well-preserved or well-imitated stateliness of the renaissance her ladyship's cap was of exceedingly dirty blonde and her ladyship's gown of exceedingly long worn satin a cat in better case than anything else in the apartment was seated in a chair opposite to her while on a perch close by it all natural hostility between the parties appearing to be extinguished screamed a magnificent cockatoo 
the note of welcome uttered by this amiable creature rendered all other greetings for some time inaudible but at length it betook itself to silently nodding its head and then her ladyship was heard to say never mind never mind the bird there sit down sit down both of you but don't disturb the cat take that chair my girl that one out there i can't have my cat disturbed how are you my dearest lady susan said mrs o'donagough in an accent of deferential affection is that abominable rheumatism that tormented you so last night more quiet to-day i don't know i am sure anything about it just now for i've been busy i've been making out my card account for the last month but i tell you what mrs o'donagough the tea you gave me last night was most abominable so weak i mean you must recollect if you please that if i come to your house to play cards i do it out of pure kindness of course to give a good style to your rooms you know but then i must have tea that will keep me awake remember i positively will not play without it to be sure not my dearest lady susan good heaven of course i am so very much obliged to you for naming it it's so like you such kindness so very friendly i am sure i can never thank you enough this series of exclamations acted much as her ladyship's own hand did upon the back of her ladyship's own cat which jealous it may be of the near and passing approach of the visitor was come to look after her own interest and now sat in the venerable spinster's lap in short mrs o'donagough's gentle touches so far rubbed down the temper of the old lady that she said with rather unusual civility well and what do you come for now give me that box patty said mrs o'donagough without making any direct reply here my dearest lady susan is the real object of my coming may i flatter myself that these feathers suit your taste they are well enough for feathers replied the noble but very sour-looking maiden but it is quite nonsense and out of the question if you suppose i can stick them on by way of a head-dress to go to court that may do all very well for a young girl like your blousy miss there with a cart-load of curls on her head but you know well enough it won't do for me i must have a cap to wear with them if they are to be of any use of course my dearest lady susan i never dreamt of anything else but as i observed to patty as we drove along to madame bonneton's it would not do at all for me to take the liberty of buying your ladyship a cap till your ladyship had been kind enough to tell me what sort of one your ladyship would like why for that matter there's no such great variety mrs o'donagough the only question is between brussels point and blonde and i like the brussels point best and brussels point it shall be my dearest lady susan and now about the day you know the next drawing-room is fixed madame bonneton tells me for the twenty-ninth i hope that will suit your ladyship suit humph i can't very well say it suits me mrs o'donagough for the plain truth is i have got no suit at all it's years and years since i last went to court and i thought you knew that i should never have dreamed of going now with no earthly motive but just to present you and your daughter i should never have dreamed of going if you had not promised that i should have no trouble at all about it and what's more i won't neither really i have no notion of it it is quite too bad my dearest lady susan began the frightened mrs o'donagough you have only to say exactly what you want and wish and madame bonneton shall send it in without your having the least trouble in the world 
will your ladyship have the great kindness to give me a little list of everything you would like to have and i will see to it without giving your ladyship the least atom of trouble in the world there is no need of a list mrs o'donagough replied the old lady taking a long pinch of snuff i only want a proper dress to go to court in the train must be black velvet and the petticoat satin i don't care two pence about the colour only don't forget the gloves and shoes you know i will forget nothing dearest lady susan you will go with us then on the twenty-ninth yes if all my things are sent in properly without my having any trouble about it i will good morning then dearest lady susan i will take care that everything shall be right good morning take the plume back with you for mercy's sake i can't think how you could be so thoughtless how do you suppose my old alice would like to have the plague of fastening it in to be sure what a fool i am so very thoughtless take the box again patty good morning dearest lady susan good-bye there that will do i hate shaking hands take care that i get some good tea this evening mrs o'donagough don't go and forget that depend upon it dearest lady susan depend upon it and with these words mrs o'donagough at length tore herself from her most valued friend to be sure nothing ever was more kind and flattering than dear lady susan dearwell's behaviour to patty and me people may call it illiberal or affected if they will but i do like the nobility and it is no good to deny it said mrs o'donagough as soon as she was reseated in her carriage and she then added i hope you won't be tired with a little more driving you too i mean louisa and matilda for you will have to get home to brompton you know but i really must go down to madame bonneton's again her obsequious friends of course assured her that the greatest pleasure they could have was to go about with her on again reaching the portico of this votary thronged temple of fashion mrs o'donagough in her usual unceremonious manner of settling all things in which the dear good perkinses were concerned proclaimed that she did not wish them again to enter it with her and taking patty with the footman and the box mounted to the shrine before which the priestesses were still performing their respective offices the most exact and satisfactory orders were then given respecting the court dress of lady susan Deerwell with a hint in conclusion that her ladyship did not wish her ladyship's bill to be sent in to her ladyship till christmas at which season her ladyship always settled all her ladyship's accounts good gracious mamma whispered patty as they descended the stairs how frightened the old woman will be when the bill is sent in i thought you were going to make her a present of it all and i am sure she thought so too i dare say she did my dear replied mrs o'donagough and i had my suspicions that you might fall into the same mistake and it was just for that reason that i made you come up and left the perkinses in the carriage because i hope it will be a useful lesson to you patty when people have a great object in view my dear and your papa says our going to court is a very great object they should always make use of every means in their power to bring it about but when it is done patty they of course owe it to themselves to take care that the sacrifices they have made to obtain it should become as little injurious to them as possible this is the principle upon which i have just acted and you may depend upon it my dear child that without firm and steadfast principles of action no one will ever get honourably and prosperously through life that's all very well mamma replied patty 
but i'll bet you five pounds the old lady will never speak to you again after she finds out the trick you have played her well my dear returned her mother with great dignity and composure and what difference will it make to me whether she does or no i choose to have a person of title to introduce me at st james to obtain this i submit to endure considerable annoyance and to suffer many inconveniences good i ought to do this i should be unwise if i did not but the object once obtained should i be wise to submit still to these annoyances no patty what was wise before would be folly after and render me totally unworthy of the confidence your father reposes in me remember all this my dear girl and always act as much as possible in conformity to my example at this moment mrs o'donagough's carriage which had been obliged to make way for another recovered its place before the door and the mother and daughter entered it the happier and the better for the delay for the young lady felt that she had listened to what might be very useful to her one day or other while the elder one enjoyed the most delightful satisfaction that can warm a parent's heart namely the consciousness of having established an excellent principle in the breast of a child End of chapter thirty